continue on in uh, the series we're doing called Be the Church. That's the title says it all. This is, um, we are the church. We, we want to make sure we don't compartmentalize and think about church as something we do. We are the church 24-7. The church is about people. Um, because it's about people, it's about relationships, and we're digging into areas of relationship together with one another, with people that don't know Jesus yet, with God. We're talking about that right now, our relationship with Him, in the idea of worship. And I said to you that, that worship, singing like we just did, that's an expression of worship. But true worship is having God as the highest priority in every area of our lives. That's true worship. And so we're talking about that in the context of loving God all in heart, soul, mind, and strength. And really that's kind of what we're centering on now. Uh, today we're going to talk about loving God with all of our mind. So that's where we're headed. Uh, transition here is a bad joke or two. These are quite bad, but I'm proud of them. I read about a school that, um, that recently abolished exams, and I guess some people were really upset. Apparently they were protesting. Bad jokes. I also was reading about Argentina, and it's surprisingly cold there. In fact, it's bordering on Chile. A little geography humor. That went over better this time than last time. I don't think they were awake yet. A man tells his doctor, Doctor, help me. I'm addicted to Twitter. And the doctor replies, Sorry, I don't follow you. Uh, Twitter humor, okay. If somebody doesn't tweet, they won't understand that. But I'm done with all those. Scripture reading here on purpose. You've heard this one before. Colossians 3, 16 and 17. Let the word or the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach one another as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms hymns and songs from the spirit singing to God with gratitude in your hearts and whatever you do whether in word or deed do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him blessed be the word of the Lord uh, that's one of my favorite passages I know that I say about a lot of passages are my favorite but that one just speaks to me about letting the, the very Word of God dwell in you richly and how important that is. So with that in mind, we're going to continue to sort of press into Mark 12:30. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And we looked two weeks ago about loving God with our heart. I said that's the control panel of our lives. Loving God with all our uh, soul was last week. That's our personality and our emotions. Today we're going to talk about loving God with all our minds. So let's jump right in. Point number one, how do I do that? How can I love God with all my mind? The, uh, the mind is an amazing thing. It's an amazing gift of God. The, the capacities of what our mind can do are overwhelming and, and uh, fascinating. And yet our minds, uh, like everything else, were affected by the fall. And because of that, the, when we come to know Christ, we're told that our minds need to be made new. They need to be renewed by the Spirit. Paul says in Romans 12, 2, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect 
will. So um, when we come to Christ, this uh, yielding to the Spirit, our minds need to be renewed. They've, they've been messed up in the fall, and they need to be restored and, and um, sort of recreated, if you would, in the process. And that happens as we yield to the Holy Spirit and we read the Word of God. But we, uh, we have some struggles that we have to deal with in this whole process because um, of the culture we live in, and all of us are impacted by culture. Don't think that you're not. We are all impacted by culture. One of the things that we face is that... Um, Often people in our culture believe that to be a follower of Christ, you have to be sort of simple-minded. You ever run across that anywhere? Maybe it's just me. Uh, but when people find out that I believe in the Bible and I believe in the stories of the Bible, they um, will, will often sort of sometimes even treat me like I'm special. And, uh, <laughs> and I guess I am, but... but uh, that's a sort of a thing that we have to deal with that that we've sort of uh, we're not as smart as the rest of the world around us how in 2019 can you still believe in the Bible when Alice and I were first together and we, we were meeting some of her family and I just thought about this whole thing and she has an uncle she had an uncle he was he was old at the time he's gone um, his name was Dewey Uncle Dewey and Uncle Dewey didn't care for me and uh, he gets Alice aside at one point and he says I never met a preacher that didn't bear watching I don't know. Probably true. But uh, part of the issue that we have, and, and I think part of the reason the, the, the culture believes that about the church, is that we say things sometimes, well, like, well, you know, you, it's faith, and so you can't logically come to that conclusion. Or, you know, you have to sort of not think about it with your mind. You'd have to accept it. When, in fact, that's not the reality of things. That's not true. Um, I, I tell you that God wants you fully engaged with your mind in this relationship. He does not expect you to check your brain at the door when, you, when we gather together. He wants you full-on thinking and reasoning in this process um, because He's called us to that. And he's given us these minds to think and to reason and so He wants us to do those things. And so it's important that we sort of check into that area in this, in this life. And then the other thing that we face with culturally is we have this dynamic going on now where um, people have decided that there's absolutely, there's no absolute truth. The, the culture is sort of against really thinking about things, deep thinking, and they're settling for just taking things that people tell them and assuming automatically that they're true. If somebody says it, well, I'm going to, it's probably got some weight behind it depending on who they are, and I'm just going to automatically sort of believe that it's true instead of pressing into it for yourself. And the problem is culturally now, um, there's all sorts of people that say things are true. Well, that could be true for you, but not for me. Uh, and so you can, you can, well, that's your truth, and then that'll be your truth, and this will be my truth. The problem is, it, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Uh, and we, we bought into it, because I, I hear that happening all around me, but if something is true, for it to be true, it has to be true for everybody. It can't be circumstantially true or true for... It's, if it's true, if it's true, the, the, the very meaning behind truth is it has to be true in every situation. And, and so we sort of started accepting all this, this and, and it's causing a lot of turmoil in people's lives because there is an absolute truth. And, and uh, if you know Jesus, you know the absolute truth. And, and yet, you don't just have to take that without investigating it and, and really looking at it and studying it and understanding that it's absolutely the truth. See, the, God is real and He's knowable. And, and he's, he's knowable beyond experience and outside of experience. He's knowable because of, of the Word. He's given us in, in this amazing book everything that we need to know about who He is. 
and what he does and how he's done it. This is, this, you know, I tell you to read this book all the time, but I, I hope that you're catching on to how amazing this book is. There's nothing like it. For so many people, it just sort of gets left aside and they find it boring. But you, you've missed the heart of what it is. What, a, what an, a fascinating book it is. R- written over a 1500 year period by uh, over 40 different authors. 66 books. And yet they tie together perfectly in every way. And, and, and so we have to embrace this and study it and dig into it. But, but you, it's okay to dig into it and to question it and to go deeper and to try and understand what's going on in here because God absolutely wants you to engage your mind in this relationship. That's point number two. He wants us to engage our mind in this relationship. See the, the message that we present to the world we're ambassadors of good news, is, is the most incredible message that there is. And, and the cross and, the sal- and salvation, uh, the message of the Bible, it's sound and it's logical and it's true. And not just because I say so or, or that other people say so, but because it is real and it's, it's knowable. It's something you can understand in your mind. It's not a leap of faith into the unknown. It's logical, reasonable, consistent system of truth based on eyewitness testimony. You need to know that, that the Jesus we believe in is not a myth and the resurrection is not a myth. There were hundreds of people that were witnesses to it and they were alive, many of them at the time of the writing of the Bible and, and um, it's an absolute reality that you can investigate and know. And so we, we need to do that. We need to engage our minds in our relationship with God. I, I love this verse in Isaiah 118. Come, God says, now let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. See, God invites us into this reasoning. He wants us to be engaged with our mind with Him because He wants us to love Him all in. And our mind needs to be included in that process. And so this, this pursuit, this engaging God with all of our mind takes place as we determine that what we want is we want truth. We, we're not going to settle for anything less than truth. We're going to pursue truth. And we pursue the truth by, by spending time reading this book and studying this book and praying through this book and meditating on this book and wrestling through the things that we might not immediately understand. And, and so you would say, well, how do you know that the Bible is true? How do you get to that point? Well, uh, I've had these discussions often, maybe you have, um, where, where we'll get to that point when people know they believe in the Bible and they'll say to me things like, well, the Bible is filled with inconsistencies and there's a lot of error in the Bible. Uh, and they'll say, how do you deal with that? And my question is often this question, I don't mean it sarcastically or anything, I'll say, well, have you actually read the Bible? And almost always the answer is no, well, I've read parts of it or some of it or they tell me a lie and say they have read it all. but. I don't, I don't dig into that too much. And, uh, but what they've usually done is they've read about, they've read something that somebody has written about the Bible and why they don't believe that it's true and they have pointed out some things that they believe and people take that immediately as truth and that's their stand. And, and you know, they, they have contempt for the Bible before they investigate it. And, and you can't live like that, having contempt for something before you investigate it. So we need to investigate the Bible. And I want to make sure that you're doing that. I'm encouraging you to do that on this day. Uh, because you need to know that it's true. 
once you settle in its truth, then, then it really begins to change and impact you. But if you're new to that journey, I, I'm all in for that. I have a, a great book out in the foyer that a friend of mine wrote, Mike Edwards. Uh, he used to come to our church. It's called Gravity, True for You But Not for Me. Simple booklet that you can read. You can also download it for free on Amazon. It's a Kindle book and it's free. Not many books are free. I like to read things on my tablet now because um, so, I can make the words really big. I know it's a... It's a not wanting to wear my glasses thing, so I have giant words here. You should see these. And uh, I, can, I can honestly read them from back here. I could go on stage and read my notes, but nonetheless. Read that book if you're, if you're interested. And then there's like Frank Turek and there's others out there with great videos and things. You can investigate so that you know. And then once you know it, this whole process, see, it begins to change your life. Um, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. The Apostle Paul says, all Scripture, this whole book is God-breathed. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the, the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 4.12, the Word of God, it's alive and it's active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. The, the Bible's powerful. I, I, I read the Bible a lot, you would expect that, but I'm always amazed at how when I read it, I, I get new things out of it all the time. And, and I've read it often, and, and yet almost every day when I pick it up and read, I'll, I'll see something that pops out. You know, I've, I've tried to teach you to pray when you go to read the Bible. Holy Spirit, would you illuminate to me the Scripture? Would you show me things that you want me to see today in the Bible? I call it illuminated reading, and He does. And He's amazing that way. But I want to engage you in the process of the Bible being this fascinating book that's tied together from beginning to end. So I like stories that sort of tie together that way. So I, I've, I've shared this one with you once before, but I want to share it again. It's a, a little story that's in the Bible called Supper to Supper to Supper. It's fascinating how it works. And these stories are run throughout the Bible. So let's quickly jump back to Genesis 3.6. These are the events leading up to the fall. Uh, <clears throat> when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom. She took some and ate it, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Um, just so you don't beat up on Eve all of a sudden, you, Adam was right there. Some people think he was out there. It says right in the Scripture. He's, he's right there when this goes on. They, they do this sin. They join into it. And when they do what they do, it... Uh, it's the beginning of sin. Look, everything that's hurtful, everything that's painful, all the suffering of humanity, the tears and the blood and the sicknesses and the illnesses and the cruelty, everything comes from that simple point in time, from that action right there. That's the, the beginning of the fall of everything. And, and I, I want you to see that it said she took and she ate and she gave. So those three verbs, if you would, um, that's the beginning of the sin and the fall of man. And that's what happens with the first Adam. And we know we're all still dealing with the consequences of that. But then we get to the New Testament. And there's another supper. This one we know is the Last Supper. And you know what's happening now. And it's the beginning of the New Covenant. Jesus initiates here. Uh, and Paul calls Jesus the second Adam or the new Adam in the process. And look what he does. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body. He takes the bread. He, he, he blesses it. He breaks it. This is my body. Take and eat. And he gives it to them. I, I hope you can see what he's doing there. It's very similar. Take, eat, and give. So we just had a story like that, 
And what's happening is here is Jesus restores us in the very way that we fell in the first place by doing the, the, the whole thing, but now doing it unto life. The way that we fell into sin is the way that He restores us. 1 Corinthians 15, 22, For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. So in Adam we died, and, and in Christ what's happened now we have the opportunity to be alive in Him. What Jesus is doing here is it's just beautiful. He's correcting everything that happened that was hurtful in Adam and he's beginning to set all those things right and he does that time after time after time in the scripture you can watch it from beginning to end but I said supper to supper to supper that's only two let's throw in another supper and I know that last one was called the last supper but there's another one and uh, which is good hop back to Genesis 3 7 and, and so back in the fall events right after they'd eaten then the eyes of both of them were opened, their eyes were opened, and they realized they were naked. Shame, guilt pours on them. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Their eyes were opened and they realized they'd sinned. This shame, guilt comes on, all the mess. There's another supper in Emmaus with Jesus that he has after the, uh, the cross and, and defeating death and he's walking down the road with a couple of his disciples and they don't recognize him and they stop for dinner and when they do they, they sit at the table Luke 24 and when he was at the table with them he took bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and he began to give it to them take, eat, give look what happens then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight See, when, when Jesus takes, eats, and gives, what happens is their eyes are opened and they knew Him who takes away shame and guilt. You see the, the pictures of how what's, what's happening here? It's a, from supper to supper to supper. It's this beautiful picture of the redemption um, that, that, that's taking place in Jesus in our lives. And it's there for us to see. It's just beautiful in the process. So... Uh, when you read the scripture, I just, I'm trying to encourage you to read. It's so amazing, and it, it does that. It changes our minds for him. It helps us to know that he's, he is absolute truth, and we can trust in him. Well, along with that, loving God with all our mind, we're to take every thought captive. And this is uh, powerful for us to understand, because um, engaging our, our mind in our relationship with God includes um, dealing with how we perceive things, how we view things. Do you all know we have, a, we have a way that we view the world around us? Part of the way our mind works is that we view things. But it's all different and it all needs to be changed um, in this process. So I, I tell you, Alice and I walk um, in the mornings, at least four times a week we go out for a walk. And it's fascinating. We were on a walk Friday morning and we're out there walking and we walk as fast as we can, which isn't overly fast, but it's fast enough. And uh, she sees things like, so she, three, on three different times Friday, she said to me, first thing she said to me, we kept, she said, oh, did you see the wishing well? And we're walking pretty fast, so by the time she says, did you see it, we're, it's in a place where I can't see it any longer. And I said, no, I didn't see a wishing well. I got no idea, nothing. So we keep going on. And then she said, well, did you see the kitty cat in the window? We're on the same journey. We're walking side by side. I'm like, what cat? What's back there? It's too late now. I can't see it. I didn't see the cat. Third thing, she said, oh, you see the spirally thing? And she's pointing. I'm looking to where she's pointing. And I, I'm like, I don't see anything. And then I'm, I'm obviously not able to follow her point very well. And I have to kind of spin around and look. And there's this spirally planter thing. So I finally did see that one. But I wouldn't have seen it if she hadn't said something. But it's not like I'm not looking at things. I'm busy looking at the high tide on Friday. 
because I'm fascinated by how high the tide was. And it's got, it's got a lot of my attention. We're communicating, but I'm checking out the tide. And then I'm checking out new construction. And I'm looking at what's happening. We just view things differently. It's not... It, okay. Well, because of that, here's the, the, the bottom line is, what God wants us to do is He wants us to see things the way He does. See, we're to get Jesus' view of things. That's, that's one of the things that we're, we're doing as we transform our minds. But we often are looking at things in a different way. And I had this, this, I, this was, the Lord was, was speaking to me this week. And I had this real thought. And, and maybe it's just for me that it means something, but maybe it'll help you. So I know that the Bible says that we're not supposed to be anxious or worried or fearful. Do you know that? It's in the scripture, right? I could give you verses, but I'm not going to right now. So I really felt like the Lord say this to me. Anytime that I'm feeling anxious or worried or fearful, it's because I'm not seeing things the way that He does. My viewpoint's all messed up. Because He's not any of those things and he, he never will be. And so what I have to do is I have to take those thoughts captive and get them into the, the right view of the way this world is supposed to be working and, and that's that God's got it and I don't need to be any of those things. He doesn't want me to be because He's not. Listen, and, and then this, this verse should make great sense to you. Uh, here we go, Second Corinthians 10, 3-5. For though we live in the world, we certainly do, broken and fallen as it is, we do not wage war as the world does. We don't live the way the world around us does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. So that's a stronghold. Fear, anxiety, worry, all that mess. Looking at things the wrong way, those are strongholds. And we have in the Spirit divine power to demolish those things. We can demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ, to, to see things the way that He sees them, because that's where life is. And that's what we need to be looking at in this whole process. And so, so God invites us to follow Him all in, heart, mind, soul, strength don't have to check your mind at the door. He wants you all in. He wants you to question. If you ever come up against something that sort of is rubbing you wrong about how does that fit in with how I, I, how I believe, then I encourage you to keep investigating until He settles it, because He will. Because He's truth. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And He's got the very best for you. I've got to end it there, because my timer just went off. And I'm, I'm running late. But it's a good spot to end. Let's get the ministry team over on the wall. Ministry team, those who are here, why don't you head over the wall? People on the way over there are here to pray for you. Let me pray for you as a group. Then we can have breakfast and dismiss. Papa, thank you again for your goodness to us and your love for us. That you just desire for us to be in relationship with you all in, God. Heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so God, we, we just come that way all in. And as we do, Lord, let it not only change us, but let it impact the world around us for you. Bring renewal, revival, and breakthrough to this area that hundreds and thousands of people would come to know you as their Lord and Savior. We pray for every church in this area, God, where your word is preached. We ask that you would bless them abundantly with everything they need to fulfill the mission you've given them. We ask for your continued abundant blessing on us, God, to fulfill the mission you've given us of one more. Just one more lost child back to you, Dad. Just one more. You're awesome, God. If you need prayer this morning for anything, the folks over there pray for you. Healing, relationships, problems, finances, situations, whatever. 
when we were in our prayer early this morning in the group, we thought there would be people today that, that someone would be really struggling with, with an abandonment of some type. And God wants you to know that you're not alone, that He's with you, and that He is your safe place, your, your shelter, and that you need to know that. And then someone else needs to hear um, today specifically, welcome home. And that's from Him to you, that He just wants you to know that, that He loves you and that He's for you and that He's with you and he's, He encourages you to be in relationship with Him. So if you need prayer for that or for anything, I'd encourage you to get it. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, let's do that today as well. Let's take care of that. Humility and faith. In humility, it's just admitting to God that you're broken like all the rest of us, you've sinned. Asking God to forgive you. And then in faith, inviting and accepting Jesus into your heart and life as Lord and Savior. And if you've never prayed a prayer like that, do it now. It's absolutely the best decision you'll ever make in your life. And if you want help with that, just go over there and ask somebody. Say, hey, I want to know Jesus. And they'll, they'll know what you mean and they'll help you through that prayer. So if you need prayer for that or for anything, I'd encourage you to get it. If you're going to stay and have breakfast, Lord, thank you for the food you provided. Bless that. Everybody that makes it possible. Draw people in for the 11 o'clock service, God, so they can hear about your amazing love for them as well. You're an awesome, awesome God. Praise God from whom all bless. bless and keep you. May His face shine upon you. May He be gracious to you and give you peace. And go today in the peace, the power, and the love of God. God bless you all. Thank you for being here. Remember, be thankful for five things. Encourage two people so we can get one lost child back to dad. Prayer is there. Breakfast is in the back. As you go, drive safely. Be kind to one another in the parking lot. Have a great day. Catch some fish. Hope your team wins. See you later. Bye. Thanks for watching this broadcast from Keys Vineyard Community Church in Big Pine Key, Florida. Be sure to like us on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. For more information, log on to keysvineyard.com. We'll see you next time.